My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Hello. How's your summer going? Are you on a road trip? Are you recovering from a big party in the sun? Or are you just taking a quiet walk? Whatever the case is, you are listening to a special summer series of the TDA podcast. To kick off, we're going to be revisiting a special project the team did in about the middle of the year. It's called The Mirror. And what we wanted to do was look at the 10 years of development since Julia Gillard's misogyny speech Particularly looking at what's changed for women in politics since 2012, but also what's stayed the same. We'll be releasing one episode a day. If you're tuning in for the first time this week, hello, welcome. But also I recommend going back and starting with episode one. Stick around to the end for an update on what's happened since we did this story. This episode of The Mirror is proudly supported by Mecca Empower, a social change movement championing equality and opportunity for women and girls. The last few years have revealed a toxic culture in Parliament. Two women who claim they were sexually assaulted while working for Liberal politicians have blasted the party's culture. Labor staffers sharing their stories in a private Facebook group. The rumours about her in Parliament House are well known. But women have been far from silent. I felt that explosion of frustration. The women's vote killed him, just killed him. Because we are entitled to a better standard than this. looks like in modern Australia. From the Daily Oz, I'm Billy Fitzsimons. This is The Mirror. On the 15th of March, 2021, a woman wearing black got on a tram in Adelaide. So I usually every day get on the tram, go to work. This is Chelsea. She's a former staffer for a Liberal senator. And I sort of sat down and then I noticed like the woman next to me was wearing black. The woman in front of me was wearing black. The woman across the way was wearing black. It was just this unspoken thing where we all kind of acknowledged each other and knew exactly what was going on. But if you'd spoken to a man in that tram, they wouldn't have had any clue. It was the day of the March for Justice, a protest that called for safer workplaces, including in Parliament. Organisers asked attendees to wear black to show solidarity with victim survivors. It was the most amazing act of solidarity I've ever seen. Chelsea came forward with her allegation in 2019. Chelsea Potter, who worked for a federal minister, alleges a colleague sexually assaulted her in Canberra in 2015. In the years that followed, others came forward with allegations, including Brittany Higgins, who we have talked about before. Just after we released episode three, the ACT Supreme Court ruled a mistrial in the case against Bruce Lerman. As part of Chief Justice Lucy McCallum's comments that day, she ordered that reporting on the matter falls silent. This is so that when a new jury is gathered in February next year, the risk of them having preconceived ideas of guilt or innocence are lowered. And so in this episode, we won't be speaking about that allegation. But this isn't a podcast about one person. It's about a movement. Ten! 
tens of thousands of women and allies in over 40 locations are taking to the streets of Australia today to say, enough is enough. In every state and territory, women were marching. Bold and angry signs proudly held high as the crowd gathers at Hobart's Parliament lawns. In Melbourne, there were up to 10,000 protesters. Thousands marched for justice in Perth today. Sharing a message and chanting as one. No peace, just women in the streets. No just complete just validation. Yeah, we're all sick of this. Like, there is a problem here. Things are not okay. Angry, tired and frustrated, they marched outside the People's House. not tolerate violence against other women. Several politicians went to the march that day in Canberra. Labor arrived en masse. Enough is enough. And so did some coalition MPs and senators. Now, someone who wasn't there was Scott Morrison. He won't be attending the March for Justice. Well, I haven't had a habit of going up to, to any marches. Morrison did invite the organisers of the march to meet with him in his office. They declined. We've come to his doorstep. He needs to come out of his office, walk across the forecourt and listen to the voices of these women. Morrison did discuss the marches in Parliament that day. It is good and right, Mr Speaker, that so many are able to gather here in this way, whether in our capital or elsewhere, and to do so peacefully to express their concerns and their very genuine and real frustrations. This is a vibrant liberal democracy, Mr Speaker, not far from here, such marches, even now, are being met with bullets. But not here in this country, Mr Speaker. Not here in this country. It absolutely beggars belief that he can say, well, aren't you lucky we didn't shoot you down in a hail of bullets? Leaving some almost lost for words. The comment was in reference to protests occurring in Myanmar at the time where a military coup had just been staged. Every time these issues had come up, it'd be like a porcupine in a balloon shop. Phil Curry is a journalist in the press gallery. Yeah, he was hopeless at it. And everything he said would come out the wrong way. And women just couldn't stand him. March 2021 was a massive month. On top of the March for Justice, Stories broke about a private Facebook group where Labor staffers were sharing allegations of harassment and assault. Quote, he's a man who calls his female colleague a pig dog when she disagrees with him. Quote, he's a man who says he'd never sleep with a woman without a thigh gap. And quote, he's a man who, some 40 years my senior, groped me and tried to stick his tongue down my throat in a lift at work. Julie Bishop, who was a coalition frontbencher before she left politics, also spoke out in the media about her experiences. Your former colleague, the former Liberal Minister Sharman Stone, said that when you were in politics, a group of male politicians who called themselves the Swinging Dicks sought to block your career aspirations. Were you aware of this at the time? Well, actually, I believe it was big swinging dicks. So there was obviously an overexcited imagination on the part of some, I would suggest. Former Labor MP Kate Ellis wrote an entire book looking at women's experiences in Australian Parliament, including the weaponisation of sexual rumours. What was the most ridiculous rumour or rumours <laughs> that was started about you? Uh, how long have we got? Um, I'm worried that you're trying to get me to say vajazzle on national television, um, which is problematic, but that was a rumour 
which is far too early in the morning for us to talk about, yeah. that was spread about me too. And on the 22nd of March, Channel 10 broke this story. This man is sitting at a desk, exposing himself. You can't see it, but he's staring straight at the camera. Here, a man arrogantly points to the desk of a female Liberal MP, then performs a solo sex act on it. It's far too explicit to show or even describe. The next day, Scott Morrison addressed the nation. I'm shocked and I'm disgusted. I was completely stunned. We must get this house in order. This has been a very traumatic month. These events have triggered right across this building and indeed right across the country. Women who have put up with this rubbish and this crap for their entire lives. I acknowledge that many Australians, especially women, believe that I haven't heard them. And that greatly distresses me. Criticise me, if you like, for speaking about my daughters, but they are the centre of my life. They motivate me every day on this issue. They have motivated me my entire life. They have taught me the values and the faith that sustains me every single day in this job. And to them, I say to you girls, I will not let you down. Everyone looking back would say there were aspects that we should have handled better and misunderstandings across the board. Susan Lee was a minister in Morrison's government at the time. And I certainly acknowledge that. And I acknowledge that we didn't meet the expectations of women in our response. However, there were many things that we did that were good in response to those events. Earlier in March, before the March for Justice protests, the government announced it was launching an independent review into federal parliamentary workplaces. It was led by Sex Discrimination Commissioner Kate Jenkins. The events of recent weeks have been disturbing, distressing and horrifying to me and to so many Australians. The Jenkins Review set out to shine a light on the experiences of those who work or have worked in federal parliament. And many victim survivors participated, including Chelsea. The sheer volume of people who had contributed was mind-blowing. More than 1,700 people participated. Just to get the review done felt like Everest. On the 30th of November 2021, the findings were released. The report was called Set the Standard. It found one in two parliamentary staffers had experienced at least one incident of bullying, sexual harassment or sexual assault. Some cohorts in the parliament are particularly vulnerable. This is Sex Discrimination Commissioner Kate Jenkins, who led the review. Women we spoke to told us they felt lucky when they had not directly experienced sexual harassment or sexual assault. Again, it was that validation, like, yeah, guys, there's a real issue here. We had to have this whole report and this piece of paper to say, yes, like, what we all already know, there is a problem here. We heard that people are often punished for reporting misconduct, while others are protected, rewarded, or even promoted for engaging in misconduct. The report was damning, but that day, 
Parliament for some was business as usual. Why aren't you paying for the social housing we know that we need? Senator Jackie Lambie was speaking in the Senate when some alleged a male senator growled at her across the chamber. Order. Senator Hanson Young called it out. I don't think it's appropriate given what has been handed down today to have growling and dog noises coming from this side of the chamber while a female member in this place is on her feet. Senator Wong stood up too. I mean, really? Growling, Mr President. Meanwhile, in the House of Representatives... Well, hang on. Anthony Albanese told Peter Dutton... You sit down, Buffett. ...and the Speaker of the House gave MPs a talking to. One of the issues that um, the Jenkins report deals with is respect. There will be a lot of discussion over the next days and weeks over respect in this place. And I would ask members to show that level of respect in this chamber as well. When people ask, you know, should something have been done earlier, better, etc., my answer is always we, we did it, we got on with it, there is more work to be done and I do want this workplace that, you know, I have I've been so supportive of and so involved in for many years to be exemplary. The Jenkins Review made 28 recommendations to fix the culture in Parliament House. The first recommendation was a statement of acknowledgement. They essentially said the Parliament should acknowledge the hurt and experiences of many staff who've contributed to that review. Chelsea and a small group of other women were invited to watch the speech in Parliament. We walked in, we sat down, and it's just camera flashes. We were all pretty emotional. So the Prime Minister speaks. I am sorry. We are sorry. And the place that should have been a place of safety and contribution turned out to be a nightmare. Sorry is only the start. I am determined that we deliver the outcomes of the Jenkins Review and make our... Morrison's coalition government committed to implementing all 28 recommendations in full. I want this building to be a place where young Australians, and young women in particular, can follow their dreams and can live out their beliefs and not have them crushed by brutality and the misuse of power. And I was sort of looking around, I was listening, of course. Because this work will take many years. Chelsea says there were some really attentive MPs. And then you had some MPs who just sat on their phone the whole time. And it's, it was quite incredible to watch. You know, this is a profound moment for a lot of women in this building, but it's okay, mate, just keep scrolling. Like, I'm sure there's something exciting happening on Twitter. On the 10th of April, 2022, Morrison called the election. We finally have a date. Scott Morrison announcing Australians will head to the polls on May 21st. It was between the Scott Morrison-led coalition... Ensure a strong economy for a stronger future. ..and the Anthony Albanese-led Labor Party. We can be even better 
if we have a better government. Morrison started behind in the polls. Now, women's issues and the treatment of women. This was the leadership debate broadcast on Channel 9. Do you think that the issue of the treatment of women within Mm. Parliament has been resolved? Would you be happy for your own daughters to work in Parliament or to work in politics? No, I'm sorry, I don't believe it's been resolved. Support for the coalition continued to slide. Labor has extended its lead over the coalition at the halfway point of the election campaign, according to the latest news poll. A week out from the election, Morrison said he was going to change moving forward. And I know Australians know that I can be a bit of a bulldozer. I know there are things that are going to have to change with the way I do things. While the coalition grappled with its so-called women's issue, the Labor Party brought back Australia's first and only female Prime Minister. And what I want to see for this country is a government that cares about, values and includes women. The day before the election, Julia Gillard made a rare return to politics to support the Labor campaign. And I know that a government led by Albo will do precisely that. On the 21st of May, the election arrived. Morrison lost. It's a difficult night for Liberals and Nationals around the country as nights like this always are. But the focus of this election wasn't just the major parties. This federal election has been dubbed Independence Day as a wave of teal candidates picked off key seats in Liberal heartlands. The teals are a group of loosely aligned political candidates and most were women, mainly campaigning on climate change and integrity. It's going to be a huge crossbench of those teal independents and one thing you can also note about that, it's all going to be women. Female independents have made history. Never underestimate the power of women. I don't think any election result is ever traceable back to a single event. Sean Kelly is a former Gillard staffer and now a journalist. But I think in Scott Morrison's loss in 2022, the way he lost the women's vote was an incredibly important factor. No doubt the women's vote killed him just killed him. And uh, and it didn't just kill him, it killed people like Josh Frydenberg. Josh Frydenberg was the treasurer in Morrison's government. Josh reckons only about 35% of the women in his seat voted for him. His seat was taken by Teal Independent, Dr Monique Ryan. Look, there's a review into why we lost the election and it's had a record number of submissions and I don't want to preempt what it might find, except to say that we will honestly consider all of its findings. So I'm not going to accept that there was one reason. In fact, I know there wasn't. There were many reasons and there were many different views and there were many different responses in different parts of the country because, for example, in my own electorate, we, I had a swing towards me and people were quite happy with the government. Obviously not the case in many other Seats. She says women spoke to her about the allegations that had come out of Canberra. When I spoke to women, they talked about the events, triggering events that they'd individually faced in their own homes, in their own lives, in their own communities and in their own workplaces, that this touched a chord. And from that chord sprung feelings of anger and disappointment. A record number of women were elected to Parliament in the 2022 election. Australia also elected its most diverse Parliament yet. The Honourable Member for Lingiari. Marion Scrimger. My Tiwi name is Mangalili Wang. Died Lee. I'm an Australian Vietnamese heritage. 
and Sally Situ. I am a proud Chinese Lao. Were some of the newly elected members in the House of Representatives. It's important to have someone like me in our federal parliament, not for diversity's sake, but because representatives that embody all of the Australian story make our parliament better and our democracy stronger. One of the new senators was Fatima Payman. I call Senator Payman. Thank you, President. I rise to present my first speech, finally. (laughs) I stand before you tonight as a young woman, as a West Australian, as a Muslim devout to her faith, proud of her heritage and grateful to this beautiful country. In 1999, my late father risked his life and left his family behind to traverse the Indian Ocean for 11 days and 11 nights in the hope of finding safety and security for his wife, two daughters, and a son on his way. Payman's father didn't get to see her make her maiden speech in the Senate. He died of leukaemia in 2018. Life is short and very unpredictable, so we cannot even take a moment for granted. I have realised that in order to live a productive and impactful life and contribute towards my father's legacy, I must seize every opportunity that comes my way. Carpe diem. When Payman decided to run for the Senate, she never thought she would succeed. It is an unwinnable seat, but here we are. Growing up, she didn't aspire to go into politics. So my parents were like, become a doctor. And I was like, sure thing. And seeing what Julie Gillard went through didn't help. You just realise that politics can be quite brutal to women. Payman was 17 when Gillard made her misogyny speech. It was just ticking every box. You're like, oh my God, I feel that. Oh my goodness. You know, we do deserve better. And so now, in Parliament herself, she has a poster of the speech outside the door of her office. Because it's just a reminder that, you know, we've come a long way, but there's so much more work to be done. You know, I've been asked questions after my election, things like, how long did it take you to practice your accent? It's like, I came here as an eight-year-old and I've just spoken like this my whole entire life. It's not like I stood in front of a mirror, practiced my English. It may not be sexism and I may not have walked through the corridors of parliament and received that condescending tone of like, oh, you're a little girl or shut up and sit down because you don't know what you're talking about. But there's still so much work to be done. The question is, will that work be done by the time Australia has its second female Prime Minister, regardless of what she looks or sounds like? I'm optimistic. Australia has shown their appetite for diversity, for inclusion, and ensuring that female voices are at the forefront. So I definitely think that, you know, our future female Prime Minister may have her own challenges in different ways, but it will not be sexism. In fact, I I think we're past that. And I think Julia's definitely paved the way and she's done the hard yards for us to be where we are today. People know they're on notice. Sarah Hanson-Young is a Green Senator. She's been in Parliament for nearly 15 years. And it's improving because a light has been shone on it and people have spoken up and called it out and have been vulnerable in doing that. It's nowhere near uh, 
you know, fixed or perfect, but it has definitely changed and the culture is changing and the understanding that people will be held to account. Whereas for me and for Julia Gillard and for other women who came before us, you were just expected to suck it up. We have been through a really horrible time. It's been really hard, but we have to seize the momentum. It can be a generational change that gets us closer to equality in the parliament and equality in the community. What I am absolutely confident of is it will be easier for the next woman and the woman after that and the woman after that, and I'm proud of that. This episode has brought up any issues for you. You can call 1800 Respect on 1800 737 732. Thank you for listening. The series was researched by Lucy Tassel, co produced and edited by Nina Copel, and co produced by me, Billy Fitzsimons. This is a production of The Daily Oz, an accessible and digestible news company for more than 400,000 young Australians. This is the final episode of The Mirror, but if you want to hear more from The Daily Oz, you can listen to our daily podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or you can check us out on Instagram. I'll see you there. This episode of The Mirror was brought to you by Mecca Empower, a collection of individuals and organisations working to advance equality and opportunity for women and girls. Empower is partnering with many remarkable organisations working to educate, elevate and empower women and girls. From First Australians Capital, amplifying the success of First Nations women-led businesses, to the Skyline Education Foundation working to support high-ability girls who face social and economic barriers in Victoria, Empower is here to make a difference. Find out more at empower.mecca.com.au. In this episode, we mentioned that a mistrial had been declared in the Lerman case. And when we recorded that, we believed a retrial would take place in February of next year. Now, since then, the ACT Director of Public Prosecutions, Shane Drumgold, announced he would not proceed with a planned retrial because he was concerned it would present a, quote, significant and unacceptable risk to Higgins' life. If you want a bit more information about what's likely to happen in this story in 2023, including potential civil cases and an investigation of the role of police in the case, you can listen to an episode we did a few weeks ago called What Happens Now the Bruce Lerman Criminal Trial Has Been Dropped. I've thrown a link to that episode in today's show notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of our special TDA summer series. We'll be back to normal programming on the 16th of January. But if you want some more breaking news in the meantime, open your phone and find us on Instagram. It's currently where over 410,000 Australians get their news and we are on even though you're on holiday.